Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Boyson. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. everyone, welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm an ALA Advanced Certified Paralegal, and I publish a newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. And you'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guest today is Vicki Kunz. Vicki is the Insurance Risk Manager of MDU Resources Group Incorporated. She began her career with the company as a legal assistant in 1998, transferring to the newly formed Risk Management Department in 2000. She served in several positions and roles within the department before becoming the Insurance Risk Manager in 2007. Vicki received the Certified Risk Management Certification through the National Alliance in December 2007 and holds the Advanced Certified Paralegal Certification as a Civil Litigation Specialist through NALA, the National Paralegal Association. She has attained the Competent Toastmaster designation and the Competent Leader designation, both from International Toastmasters. Prior to her employment with MDU Resources, she worked for over 20 years as a paralegal in a private law firm. Her experience included managing two law firms and establishing a paralegal department. She specialized as a plaintiff trial paralegal in areas of personal injury and wrongful death, medical malpractice, bad faith, and products liability. So welcome, Vicki. Thank you, Vicki. It's a privilege to be here today. It's going to get confusing with the two Vickies on, but I think they can tell the difference in our voices, especially since my guest is from North Dakota and has quite an accent. I'm happy to have you here, Vicki, and I appreciate your joining us. But before we begin, our sponsors need to be recognized and thanked. That would be NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and advancement of the paralegal profession and has been a sponsor of the Paralegal Voice since the beginning. Next is Boston University, offering an online certificate in paralegal studies. If you're seeking a professional credential or just want to further develop your skills, Boston University provides an affordable, high-quality, 14-week program. Visit paralegalonline.bu.edu for more information. That's paralegalonline.bu.edu. BU.edu. And our next sponsor is ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high volume serves, who embrace technology and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry 
and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your career and everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics, and for that reason, I've invited Vicki Kuntz to be with me today and to discuss public speaking. Public speaking is a skill paralegals need, particularly paralegals in leadership positions or those who aspire to leadership positions. At my blog, which is paralegalmentor.com slash blog, I feature paralegal profiles. And when I ask those paralegals what they wish they were better at, they frequently answer public speaking. Now, Vicki, is that your experience when you visit with other professionals? Absolutely. I come across very few people who say they feel very comfortable speaking in any kind of a public setting, whether it be a small gathering, whether it might be just a a small association meeting, or whether they're giving a large presentation. Even those that are really good at it, they still tell me they get nervous prior to speaking. Well, the fear of public speaking can have a negative impact both professionally and personally. So uh, how can you get past that fear? Well, I have a few pointers I'd like to kind of share today with you, but the main one that I want people to think about today is to seek and grab opportunities to speak. That is the opportunity for you to find a situation that would be small, something that's much more guided because you might have information before you that you can use. The best one that I like to encourage people to volunteer for when they're seeking some opportunities to speak is introducing speakers, maybe at an association meeting or at an office meeting. You generally get the person who's going to be speaking their bio, so you can write it up. You get the materials already prepared for you, and all you have to do is present it, and generally it's over in 30 to 60 seconds. Vicki, I have to tell you that that was exactly my first opportunity to do some public speaking when I was just beginning my membership in NALA. And I have to tell you, I was scared to death. I'd get up there and my voice would, you know, do its thing and and not do its thing, actually. And I was totally afraid of that. And it was such a small thing. But it really did help. And it's taken me on my path to public speaking so that it really doesn't scare me anymore, thank goodness. But enough of my experience here. I know that you advocate practice, practice, practice. When you know when you're preparing or when anybody's preparing to speak, to speak. So why is winging it not an option? Winging it should never be an option, even for someone who speaks a lot or even if they give the same material over and over for a speaker who might be on the road and does the same presentation. People that wing it will be memorable, and it's a memorable that we don't want to be um, recognized for, but they're the ones that generally are unprepared, maybe fumbles. All of us that are sitting in the audience are kind of looking at it and it's like, okay, what else? You know, why aren't you prepared for us? Because we've taken the time to be here. Or there's a few of them that will wing it, and they are very polished when they're up there. They sound great, but when they get done, they just have kind of rambled and taken us all in a circle and they really haven't said anything. So there's two kinds of people that wing it and neither one of them should be options. Okay. Well, we've talked about winging it, but what about using notes? Now, when I do a presentation, I have it memorized pretty much before I go up, but I still need my notes. And often I need the full speech 
I need that crutch. Is that a problem? Absolutely not. Notes should be with the speaker at all times and or maybe even a prompter. Today's technology is, has made prompters so much more available in, in different kind of speeching venues. But I like to encourage people to have that crutch there because a lot of things can disrupt your speech. And it's like you get off track. And if you've just got the notes that you can glance back down to get you back on track, could be something that interrupted you when you're making your presentation, could have been a question that came up that maybe took you into a little bit of a different direction, but you've got something to reflect back to to get back on track. That is not only doing you a favor, but it's also doing your audience a favor because the speech that they came to hear is going to stay on track. The second part about using notes that I like to present is make sure you number the pages. I have seen people either drop their note cards or, or get their sheets mixed up and then get confused. And it's like, oh my gosh, where am I? That will only fluster the speaker even more. So if you've got them in numbered on the bottom and you can get them, take a break, get them back in order. Again, your audience is going to be thankful for you. And then my last point about notes is to use big notes. How many times have you shown up to give a speech and they dim the lights for the audience? And then it's really hard to see what your notes say. So use big print, use bigger cards if you want, or large pieces of paper, and make sure you number them. Well, those are all great tips. So what are the most important parts of the speech? Well, if anyone has taken a speech class, speech teachers will tell you it's going to be the delivery. But what I think is the most important part of the speech really is the beginning, and that's to grab the audience's attention right away, and then the end, because that's what they're going to remember you by. Now, part of that is still in delivery, but if you're putting together a speech, you want to keep those two tips in mind, because again, it's going to all come together for that audience. Okay. Again, great tips. But do you have any other basic tips for public speaking? Well, I have a few that I could probably share. A couple of them that I really like people to work at is their voice fluctuation. How many times have you sat and listened to a speaker and it's that monotone voice and pretty soon you're either dozing or you're dawdling on the um, piece of paper in front of you, not paying any attention to the speaker. But if they have some voice fluctuation or even using some gestures, keeping your interest up to the podium, I think that's important. I also like to remind people that while they're practicing, practice in front of a mirror so you can see your actions, see how your voice is, your motions. And then today with cell phones, why not record it on a video and actually watch how your delivery is, and it will help you improve yourself. It's where I find that I blink a lot when I speak with emphasis, and I've had to learn to take that into account and make sure my eyes aren't blinking faster than how I'm speaking. Recording with the cell phone is an excellent idea that helps you pick up those things that those little things that you're not even realizing that you're doing that, of course, your uh, audience is going to notice. So that's a great tip. I'd like to know, what do you think are some of the characteristics of a really good speaker? A couple things with your voice. The first one is making sure that your voice is forceful 
and it doesn't trail. How many times have you sat in the audience and the speaker is up there and they're starting out their sentence, they're delivering it, and then at the very end they might be leaving it with um, maybe a question at the end? Almost like they're not sure how to end it. So voice forcefulness and making sure that you end it with the same emphasis that you're starting it with. And then, of course, as I talked a little bit about voice fluctuation, you need to give that lilt so the audience wants to pay attention to you. But with that, and it's somewhat of an art, is to also get your hand gestures to go with your movement. Now, some people, if they can't get their hand gestures to flow with their speech, they can put them down at their side or if there's a podium, hang on to it. But there's some people with their hand gestures Uh, maybe aren't moving with the speech, such as the gentleman who might put their hand in the pocket and jingling keys or coins, or the woman who might be grabbing their necklace and sliding it back and forth. When you start paying attention to speakers, you'll see some of those little things that are areas that people should pay attention and try to practice on. And then the other one that's characteristic of a good speaker is they get comfortable with the audience, and that takes some homework. And we'll talk a little bit about that with back pocket topics, but that's another good characteristic that people want to think about. Okay, well then, of course, there are the speakers that you'd like to forget. What are the characteristics of the speaker who's someone you just don't even care to see again? Now, if we were in some associations where you're voting for officers, this is a good one where you do recognize some people's lack of speaker qualities, and they're the ones that are monotone and very boring, and no one wants to listen to them. Or there's those that kind of say something they think before they, they forgot to think before they speak, and they say something that they shouldn't have. The ones that are kind of going out with a whimper, they kind of started out their speech kind of, you know, was really interesting, and then they just kind of forgot that whole delivery. And we don't want to be those people either because you're not leaving in any kind of a good impression on the audience. We've seen the few, probably with the foot in the mouth. Oh, yes. And then the other one that I really want to emphasize that you don't want to be that unforgettable speaker are when there's that aggressive communication going on between the audience and the speaker. And sometimes the speaker may not know how to defuse that and will get somewhat aggressive. And then that reflects back on the speaker. So depending on what the topic is, speakers need to think about how they're going to handle maybe some potential aggressive conversations with the audience. Okay, Vicki, there's one, one more thing that I'd like to ask you. And, you know, these are speakers who have the, you know, characteristics you'd like to forget. But these people don't have to speak that way forever. They can become good speakers. Is that right? Absolutely. They need to be open to some either criticism or comments or ask for feedback. And that takes a lot for someone to be honest to themselves that they want to ask someone within the audience, give me some feedback on how I did, and then work on that. Great tips so far, Vic. I just really appreciate all that you've brought to us today. But it's time to take a short break for a word from our sponsors, NALA, the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals, Boston University, and ServeNow, a national network of trusted pre-screened process servers. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of public speaking with my guest, Vicki Kuntz. Anala means professional. 
NALA offers continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. A NALA-certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding, advanced, certified paralegal. NALA works actively with all those in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at NALA.org. That's N-A-L-A dot org. Are you looking to advance your career? Do you know someone who wants to enter the paralegal profession? Boston University's fully online Certificate in Paralegal Studies is a fantastic option. It's affordable, takes just 14 weeks to complete, and is led by accomplished faculty who teach employer-focused skills like legal research, writing, technology, and more. Visit paralegalonline.bu.edu for more information and to download a free brochure. That's paralegalonline.bu.edu. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and my guest today is Vicki Kuntz, Insurance Risk Manager of MDU Resources Group Incorporated in Bismarck, North Dakota. Now, Vicki, before the commercial break, we discussed the basics of public speaking. I'd like for you to tell our listeners about your journey from paralegal to insurance risk manager. How did your career evolve? And how have your paralegal skills supported that journey? You know, when I look back over the years and I wonder how I got from point A to point B, I sometimes still wonder how it happened. But a good part of it, I have to give one to the the benefit, again, of the paralegal skills that you said, but also volunteering or stepping up to take on something new or somebody needed someone to help out. said, I will do that. While I was stepping out of my comfort zone, it gave me those opportunities that I talked about earlier to practice and maybe become a little bit better speaker, but more really to develop my own leadership skills. I have had opportunities here at work from going from a paralegal in the legal department to a newly formed department when they started the risk management department a few years ago. And what was good about that was I had the opportunity to step in and kind of help develop a new job that wasn't there before. So I kind of was able to make it be what I wanted it to be. But again, my paralegal skills by being organized, by understanding the laws, which helps you understand insurance programs, by understanding claims, because I was so involved in litigation, all of those skills helped me develop moving into the risk management position. With those, I have the opportunity now to 
make presentations to our board of directors. We're a publicly traded company. We have a large board, and I have to present our corporate insurance program to them. I have to present our corporate annual renewals to our management policy committee and to some of our operating company presidents. So I have a lot of opportunities to speak to leaders within our company. They're much more of a higher level than I am, so it gives me some angst sometimes. But the continual practice that I push upon myself, I think, has helped me with that. Serving on all the other boards that you mentioned, all of those, I have the opportunity to be in leadership roles. I would not have been able to do that without being a paralegal. Having that opportunity first in my local organization, having the opportunity to be president for NALA for two years, that in itself was a lifetime worth of experiences that I'm able to now pass on through my own career. Well, did you ever fear public speaking? Oh my gosh, I fear it every time I have to speak, even today. I don't know very many good speakers that tell me that when they're done, that they don't have a little bit of dry mouth or maybe just a little sweaty palms. I think everyone has that little bit of nervousness that they try to find their own way to deal with. I think it's okay. I think it makes us be a little bit more on our toes. Well, is there a difference when you're, you know, you speak to large groups and then you speak to either one-on-one with a person or, or a colleague or you're speaking to a small group? Tell us the differences that happen with those experiences. Well, first, when most people think about speaking in public, they think that they're speaking to a large group. So maybe they're afraid of being a presenter. But again, when I talk about um, seek and grab opportunities to speak, getting up front and introducing a speaker and giving their bio, that could be still in a very large setting, but in a small way. There's other opportunities that we all need to think about working on our speaking skills, such as when you're going to a conference or a seminar and just being able to get up from the table at the break, getting coffee and reaching out to someone and holding a conversation. We all should take advantage of those chances that come to us of learning from someone else. And while people are afraid to get up and speak in front of a big group, most people are also afraid to talk to somebody they don't know. So I really encourage people to find ways that they're comfortable of doing that. Small groups as well. When you go to a dinner party, how many times have we gone to a a dinner party, maybe with our spouses and it's their employer, and we have to try to find some conversation to have with someone else. Those are other little small little groups that people can prepare for. And my topic that I'd like to share on how I found an easy way to deal with that is what I call back pocket topics. Well, tell us more about back pocket topics because I've never heard about that. Well, I kind of like to take it off of a little bit of something I'd learned years ago in Toastmasters, and they would do table topics where you had to get up and speak for less than two minutes about one topic. It forced you into having a conversation with a group about that one topic, maybe no matter how silly it was while you were practicing. Well, in that process, when I've started getting ready to go to some meetings or conferences, and I was afraid of meeting people, I would sit down and it's like, I'm going to go to Las Vegas for this conference. I'd pull out a three by five card and I would think of some topics that I could bring up at that conference. Maybe the conference is going to be about 
pollution insurance. So I would maybe put down a couple hot topics that are going on in the environmental law area. I might also put down what's the weather like in Vegas compared to North Dakota right now. So there's probably right now about a 100 degree temperature change. Could use the weather is always a safe conversation. If I'm going to a meeting where I know that there might be a lot of men that are really much more into sports than I am, and I'm going to go to Dallas, Texas, I'll do a little bit of homework before I get there on how the Dallas Cowboys are doing. So I can have maybe just a little bit of a topic I can bring up in a session back in the back when we're all getting coffee. I can say, hey, how about those Dallas Cowboys in that game on Friday night? That might be all I need to say, and I'll get everyone else around me starting to talk about it. And what you do is you end up being part of the conversation without having to do a lot of the speaking. Back pocket topics has been something I've used for years. That's great, because when you walk into a meeting, you frequently don't you need to introduce yourself to other people that you don't know. It's really important in networking, but to have those back pocket topics ready is a great idea. So thank you for that. But I want to talk again about that most important P word, and it's practice. And my mother always said, practice makes perfect. And then Coach Vince Lombardi said, practice does not make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. So what do you think about that? Well, we both know we don't disagree with your mother ever. (laughs) And I can't disagree with Vince Lombardi either. You know, really, it makes sense. We both can agree that you should not go without practicing. And we have all just seen too many speakers that have tried it. So we just don't recommend it. Well, tell me something. What about the preparation of the speech itself? How do you get started? And, you know, how early do you begin preparation? Well, I'm one of those P words too, procrastinator, but I have learned to manage my time maybe a little bit better as I've gotten even busier. But what I like to do is I I like to start them as early as I know that I have a speech and engagement coming up. So as soon as I'm asked, but then I start a list for that speech. And then I am just, I just start writing down topics, ideas, and I try to get as much as I can down whenever I think about it. Then when I sit down, it just helps me bring it all together. I might have to move things around, but it at least gives me that thought or idea that I had so I don't miss it and I can bring it back into the speech. And then I save those lists for future speeches because I might be able to go back to that one and it's like, oh, I had that idea for this particular topic. I didn't use it, but I want to use it now. That's kind of my easy way to do it. Right. And repurposing whatever you can is always smart. Uh, There's something else that I want to throw in here, and that is the speaker that reads their PowerPoint. Every single point of their speech is on their PowerPoint. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a boring speaker, too. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I've taken a few other courses, and they really emphasize that PowerPoints should never give away all of your material or your speech. Use bullet points and generally no more than six words, a bullet point, and no more than four bullet points per slide. Really? But I agree with you, Vicki, on that. Okay. Well, I just used a Vince Lombardi quote. There's lots of them. And a lot of people pepper their speeches with quotes 
and jokes. Now, do you recommend that? I'm not a fan of peppering, and I really like that word when you use it because I've seen it used a lot. One or two can have impact, and it kind of grabs your audience's attention with one. But when speakers start using quotes or material, or I've seen the names of songs used throughout their whole speech, pretty soon it becomes distracting, or what it really tells the audience is you're using someone else's material as a crutch. I just don't think it's a really good idea unless it fits your topic. You know, if your topic is going to be maybe about a particular Vince Lombardi and you want to use several of his quotes, maybe different, but I would avoid peppering your speech per se, like you indicated. Right. I've seen it done in a lot of candidate speeches, and I think it's distracting when you throw in a whole lot. Well, now we're getting toward the end, so I'd like for you to summarize your prescription for successful public speaking. Okay. Number one, seek and grab opportunities to speak. Make yourself go out there and try to find an opportunity for you to be able to deliver some kind of material in front of a group. The more you do it, the easier it'll get, which comes to practice. Even if you get that material for a speaker Right before the speaking engagement, take that five minutes, go back over, read the material so you're familiar with it, and then make it your own. Three, pull out some three-by-five cards and start preparing some back pocket topics for the next meeting that you go to. You're going to really find that it's a godsend for helping you be prepared walking into a group that you don't know about. One of the easiest ones to do right now is you've got some future Christmas parties coming up. It's a Good one to even like pull those back pocket topics out for that as well. And then number four again is practice. I'm going to use that one um, as our ending suggestion as well, Vicki. All of those are just terrific points and things that everyone should take to heart. The opportunity tip is, I think, very important in that, you know, if your schedule permits, always grab those opportunities. Now, Vicki, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about public speaking, how would they do that? And do you have any other resources for our listeners? You know, I always encourage people to find a Toastmasters club in your neighborhood that you can attend. If you have several in your community, like we have here in Bismarck, I would encourage you to visit them all as a guest. They welcome guests. Sit down, listen to the group, and make sure that it's one that you think that you would fit in. It is the best place for you to practice a speech in front of an audience that is there to help coach you instead of criticize you. That's number one. Number two is, again, look for opportunities. And if anyone wanted to reach out to me for you know, some suggestions or to look at some material they might be looking at for a speech and have some kind of ideas or guidance, they can reach me at vjkcla at gmail.com. Okay. Before we close, I want to tell our listeners that you and I have worked together many times on presentations, uh, usually about moving your career forward and a lot of career planning and so forth. And that's always been interesting. And I will tell our listeners that 
you're the one that gets me going on those because I tend to procrastinate too. Wait to the last minute and it's better to do it way ahead. So I'm learning that from you. So Vicki, I really appreciate your joining me today. The listeners of The Paralegal Voice are going to get a lot out of your topic. So thank you. Thank you. It's been great being here with you, Vicki. Let's take another short break. Don't go away because when I come back, I'll have news and career tips for you. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back. Now it's time for my practice tip for today. We've discussed public speaking. A lot of Vicki's basic tips were just wonderful. And I have one more for you. When you're invited to speak and you've confirmed the date and the topic, please verify how long you'll be speaking. This is the first step in your planning because then you'll know how long your speech should be. Now, people typically speak at a natural rate of 150 words a minute. If you're asked to speak for 90 minutes, your speech should be around 13,500 words minus whatever time will be allotted for the intro and for questions and answers. And I usually plan about 10 minutes for the intro and the questions and answers and so forth. So then I would be speaking for generally 80 minutes. So you multiply 80 minutes times 150, and you'll get the number of words that should be in your speech. Never go over that. Always, you know, plan your words that you need and then complete your speech that way. Now, that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to me at Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. Also, don't forget to check out my blog, which is paralegalmentor.com slash blog, and the resources available at paralegalmentor.com. All of this is designed to help you move your career in the right direction, and that's always forward. This is Vicki Voison thanking you for listening to The Paralegal Voice and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voison for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistants. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.